Welcome to Herb W. Morgan's Slaying Bulls and Bears, a podcast about economics, markets, investing, politics, and profit. Every Monday, in less than 20 minutes, Wall Street portfolio manager Herb W. Morgan distills the complex and complicated into the simple and sensical. Here's Herb now. Good morning, everybody. Monday, October 31st, 2022. Happy Halloween. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director, Chief Investment Officer at Efficient Market Advisors. This is my weekly economic and market commentary, Slaying Bulls and Bears, which can be found uh, via subscription with slides, graphs, and charts, or via an audio-only podcast on any of the podcast formats. The presentation has been prepared for your use, whether you are an investor or a financial advisor. Um, either way, you're expected to make your own investment decisions. Nothing contained in the presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations to the purchase or sale of any securities. The information contained herein is purely for informational purposes. Nothing shall constitute tax advice, and as such, investors should be advised to consult their own tax advisor. We had a great week, could have been a good month last week in the S&P 500, mid-cap, small-cap, all rallied. The only thing down on the equity side were emerging markets. You can see down about 2%. But that brought the ACWI or the All Country World Index up over 3%. And it capped off what you're no doubt hearing was one of the best Octobers in history. I remember when people used to say October was one of the worst months historically. September and October traditionally a little bit lower average return than others. But it, it just goes to show you why trading on things like that would, could potentially be a mistake. If one had been nervous about the market and gotten out after the big declines of September, it would have missed the subsequent rally of October. The timing, market timing is but a hollow mockery. Fixed income indices largely positive or really positive across the board. Long dated treasuries gain almost 4%. Still long dated US treasuries, that's a 20 plus treasury index from Barclays is down far more than the equity indices. And this is the thing that's tough for balanced investors like us, people that invest in stocks and bonds. Usually if stocks are having a down year, bonds catch a bit because you're thinking, well, the recession is coming or is here and the Fed is lowering interest rates to stimulate the economy and get us out of recession. But the Fed is not trying to stimulate the economy today. The Fed is trying to cool the economy. So in doing so, raising interest rates sends bond price prices down and you actually have worse returns at the long end of the bond market. Even the core bond market, the aggregate bond index, is down 15% in line with equities. It's actually down more than small cap stocks year to date, mid cap stocks year to date. So it's just something to be aware of. It's just a very unusual year. It's difficult, it's no fun, um, but it will pass. And it's my view that uh, traditionally bad years are usually followed by pretty good ones. So let's hope for a better 2023. Let's get into the data last week. There is data, considerable data, that suggests the economy is downshifting, is cooling, and we know that inflation metrics is what the Fed is concerned about, are what the Fed is concerned about, but we also know they act with a pretty significant lag. So we look to other things to tell us when those inflation numbers are going to be coming down. Well, let's start with the flash readings we got from S&P on U.S. manufacturing and U.S. services. We saw both go going into contraction, at least according to the flash readings for the month of October. 
Uh, manufacturing came in at 49.9, just below that line of delineation. You can see we've been slowly coming down since well, really about a year and a half now. New orders fell below 50 into contractions, the lowest reading on the, on the overall since uh, June of 2020. And in one of those signs that inflation pressures are easing, input prices fell. They actually fell and the lowest reading since November of 2020. On the services side, which is a much bigger component of the economy, one, two, three, four months of contraction in the services sector, and employment here also fell below 50. Now, one of the reasons we've got inflation is we've got a lot of wage price inflation, which is then translated into goods and services price inflation. And um, with, that's because we've had far more demand for labor than we had supply of labor and price just went up. But this now we're seeing that turn and fall. More signs that the Fed's action is having an impact. Okay, other areas that are showing major pullbacks in inflation would be residential real estate, translating home prices into the CPI. There's a component called owner's equivalent rent, which they, it's a big, big factor in calculating um, CPI and core uh, CPI and PCE inflation rates. So the FHFA house price index fell seven tenths of a percent in August after a six tenths of a percent in July. And remember we were routinely talking about year over year gains in the value of our homes of 20%. Well, those year over year gains have gone all the way down, almost cut in half, 11.9%. And we expect, I expect further declines in residential real estate prices in the coming months. So S&P's Case-Shiller Home Price Index shows exactly the same thing. Price, uh, prices fell in August 1.3 after about 0.7% decline in July. And remember, this is a lag, this is August, so I think they probably fell again in September and yet again in October. Uh, and that year-over-year -year gain is up now 13% from, as you can see here, well north of 20% for a period of time. And the number of houses under contract pending home sales just falling off a cliff down 30% year over year. What was driving it a year ago? Well, ultra low, almost zero interest rates and jobs are plenty. And so people buying real estate, scrambling to buy real estate. You know, we're getting mortgage rates near 7% now, which is a lot of younger folks lifetimes, they've never seen interest rates this high. We, well, I have, <laughs> many of us have seen them even higher. Um, but these, these numbers are dissuading buyers and pending home sales fell 10% in the month of September. New home sales, same kind of story. You can see from the sort of uh, early to mid 2020 peaks, just steadily down, 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 a couple little bumps along the way. But in September, new home sales fell almost 11% to a 603,000 annualized rate after having a big spike here. It was, brief spike in, um, in August. Confidence of consumers, whether it's measured by the conference board or by University of Michigan, continues to decline as well. 107.8 uh, down to 102.5 from the conference board. Present situation fell, expectations fell. These are disinflationary uh, readings. University of Michigan, now that's actually maybe bottomed a few months ago and come up a little bit. A lot of that it may have to do with the fact that gasoline prices have moderated in much of the country. 
Uh, not so much here where I live in San Diego, where we still pay more than $6 a gallon for gas. Weekly initial claims for jobless, uh, weekly initial claims for unemployment, initial jobless benefits, rose to 217, still a very low number. And I think the Fed would like to see, you know, would never say this, but I think they would like to see this number come up a little bit for more disinflationary pressure. Then we get this report last week on GDP and third quarter GDP surprised. And, and I really don't think that's why the market was rallying. I think this was almost seen as a negative to the market last week. Market was rallying because of the other data I've given you showing such a major slowdown and a deceleration in the economy, meaning that says that the Fed rate hike path is near completion. It, it's visible, the end is visible. I'm gonna talk in a minute about this week's Fed meeting and then the December meeting, and then there's not another meeting until February after that. But the third quarter GDP um, rose 2.6%. So remember we had those two negative quarters People saying that was a recession. That really wasn't a recession. There was some import export things there. Uh, there was some government spending there and really consumption and everything was very strong. So we also have personal consumption strong, services spending strong, good spendings decent. Um, so this was kind of seen as, well, maybe this keeps the Fed on the, on the brakes longer than was originally anticipated. So mixed data between those, uh, the ISM readings, the S&P Global rather readings um, uh, on manufacturing services and the GDP reading. Durable goods were okay. They rose four tenths of a percent, but there was a huge gain in aircraft and aircraft are such big expensive items. They could skew the data. Backing out transportation, durable goods orders fell 0.5%. This again, decelerating of the economy, uh, disinflation, signals nearer the end than maybe we were a month earlier of the Fed rate hikes. That's why the, the markets rallied so strong in October. Number one, earnings have not been as bad as anticipated. But number two, we've gotten the initial big shock of the big Fed rate hikes out of the way. Personal income and spending, personal income rose four tenths, personal spending rose six tenths. Uh, not on the, that's not disinflationary. And employment costs starting to roll down a little bit. They're still up, just not up as much. We're not seeing these big spikes, right? So employment cost index rose 1.2%. Wages and salaries rose 1.3%. Gains, uh, benefits gained 1%. And the overall employment cost index is 5% year over year. That's still too high. But remember, as I said, inflation numbers are lagging indicators, but we put massive amounts of monetary and fiscal stimulus in the economy in 2020, and then we got all the inflation in 2022. So now in 2022, we're pulling the monetary stimulus, we're pulling the fiscal stimulus, and we have to know that, the, that this will go down, but it won't go down immediately. The Fed knows that too. So you may say, well, then why does the Fed keep talking about we're going to keep doing this as long as it takes etc i'm going to get to that in just a minute it's because of this thing they they know they have to lower our expectations as well as lower the inflation they know the inflation numbers will be with a lag so today rather than say point out hey there's a lag and show you all this data like i'm doing the fed members that are out speaking the fed speak we call it they are going to be talking about very tough 
on inflation. We're going to do whatever it takes. We're going to hike as many times as we have to hike. We, we will, we will, we will, we will, because they have to maintain the confidence and stability in the currency. Look at the value of the dollar going up, up, up against the rest of the world's currencies, which is a testament to the fact that it is, in fact, working. So core PCE, this is the Fed's major gauge. That's the red. You can see it rose five tenths of a percent. It's up 5.1% year over year. Stubbornly high, but all signs indicate that's going to be coming down. And their target, 2%, 2%. We've been above 2% now for a full two years. So they really want to see that start rolling down. Okay, now all this Fed talk shouldn't, we should you know, not forget the fact that we're in earnings season. And earnings season has been pretty darn pretty good. 46% of the market capitalization of the S&P 500 reported last week alone. Now that's because you have these mega, mega, mega cap companies like Apple and Microsoft. But we've had about 70% of names report. So that's pretty good. Um, excuse me, 70% of market cap is reported and about 70% of those names have beat their earnings estimates. Um, but those earnings estimates have been lowered. Margins were a bit soft, profit margins, so not super impressed. The market has not been just impressed with earnings in general. Uh, we got about 167 names ready to report this week, which is about 17% of market cap. And in there, you're gonna see a lot of big pharma. You're gonna see Pfizer, Lilly, uh, Amgen, big, big, big uh, healthcare pharmaceutical companies will be reporting this week. But that's not the big news of the week. The big news of the week, of course, is Fed funds rate and the FOMC meeting, which is Tuesday, Wednesday, with the decision on rates on Wednesday. And what, as I mentioned earlier, what the Fed is mostly concerned about is they want to lower inflation expectations. They want to be very careful not to ease financial conditions or even give the perception, which is why they're talking so tough. Eventually, they're going to ease financial conditions again, but the Fed really wants to not anchor our expectations for inflation. And so because of that, and because the market is holding up, obviously a great return for stocks in October, they will raise 75 basis points in my view on Friday. That'll bring the Fed funds target rate to four, and they've been talking all along that the terminal rate is somewhere north of four, but maybe even as high as five. We now believe that if the Fed needs to, it's going to hike 50 basis points on December 14th. That'll get you to four and a half. There is no meeting in January. So really December's it for the rest of this year after this one. And they wanna really set themselves up for lower inflation readings next year. But here's what I think is the thing that could spook the market for an hour or two uh, on Wednesday while, while Jerome Powell is speaking. As I mentioned, he and the other members, voting members, are going to continue to aggressively talk with a hawkish tone. And on Wednesday, he may say something like, you know, our, our expectations or our projections for the terminal rate, meaning the end rate for Fed funds on the high side, may have to go higher. And by doing that, I think he prevents a risk on rally and an easing of financial conditions, which in and of itself would be contributing to inflationary pressure. Instead, uh, he wants to continue to have disinflationary pressures while not crashing the economy. Very difficult task indeed. We are clearly 
slowing down and decelerating in my view. In addition to the earnings and the Fed meeting this week, we have a very significant amount of economic data this week because we're getting into a new month. Today is the last day of October. We're going to get Chicago PMI. We're going to get the final S&P Global PMIs. Uh, remember, we had the flash last week. Job openings expected to be going down. That's disinflationary. Construction spending, auto sales. Then we get into the two big employment rates along with the Fed decision. The employment, uh, ADP employment, and then of course on Friday, the big jobs report. Um, so productivity, labor costs, all that goes along with it. The, um, so all of this stuff, you know, ISM readings and then S&P Global readings, big, big, big week. Thanks for tuning in. Be back to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Slaying Bulls and Bears. If you'd like to download the slides for this week's podcast, go to www.efficient-portfolios.com and join our mailing list. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate us online, and share with a friend if you found this helpful. See you next week.